you're visiting today, we want to say welcome. We're glad that you came. And we really pray that God would speak to you where you are today to move you forward in your relationship with Him. So we're in part three of knowing God. And today we're going to talk about God's power working in your life. Now, I want you to listen carefully to this quote. I'm reading, the source of the quote is a great Orthodox theologian called J.I. Packer. And listen to what he says. Why are we doing this series called Knowing God? Why? 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 Why do this? This is the reason why. He says this. We are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. We are cruel to ourselves. The world becomes a strange, mad... Anybody felt that recently? The world's gone mad? Okay. The world becomes strange, a strange, mad, painful place... And life is a is in uh, life in it is a disappointing, and it is an unpleasant business for those who do not know God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction. And no understanding of what surrounds you. This way, you can waste your life and far more seriously, lose your soul. This is the reason why we are studying knowing God. So today, I want to look at another attribute of God. The third one, His power. The true God. The true God. Because a lot of false gods out there. Firstly, when we first started this series, we looked at his knowledge. And theologians call that what? His omniscience. Great. We're all taking notes. And remember, the second week we looked at his presence, and that's called his omniscience. Uh, omnipresence. Today, we're going to talk about, here it is, talk about his omnipotence. His omnipotence. In fact, this next slide shows you something that I was reading this week. I read this week that the power of the sun, the power of the sun, there it is, it produces more energy in one second than has been used in the history of the world. And that sun, at its current state, will be able to burn for another 30 billion years. And that's a lot of power, right? That's an enormous amount of power, gargantuan amount. But that, friends, is not as great as the power of the Creator who made that sun. The cause is always greater than the effect. Look at this next verse. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32, 17 is what it was. So what we're talking about today is what the theologians call the omnipotence of God. God is almighty. He has unlimited power. He never gets tired. 
He's never frustrated because he can't do something. I like that. Everything he does, he does easily. Imagine creating the universe easily. (laughs) Wow. Nothing is ever too difficult. It's easy for him to answer a prayer, and it's just as easy for him to create a galaxy. That's having all the power. He is all powerful. And anybody that has power on this world or in the other world, the spiritual world, is given it by God because he owns the lot. He just subs some of it out for a while and says, this is what you've got for this period of time and it's by my decree that these things happen. So today, I want us to look at three things. Number one, I want to look at the evidence for God's power. The evidence. Where's the evidence? We're going to look at the evidence for God's power. Then we're going to look at the application of God's power in my life. And then we're going to look at how do we actually get God's power, which is huge, into my life. So number one, the evidence of God's power. And the natural place to start for this is Romans talks about this in the first chapter. Romans chapter 1 about creation. That's what it talks about. Creation is a silent witness of God's power. That's what it is. I mean, look at this galaxy. That's where we live. And God's greatness created this home. His greatness created it. Psalm 109, excuse me, Psalm 19 verse 1 says this. The heavens are telling the story, uh, the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of his craftsmanship. Day and night, they keep on telling about God. So every moment, creation is a witness to the fact that God, the God, the true God, is incredibly powerful, all-powerful. And the Bible says that the universe was created at God's command. In fact, There was no effort to him. He just had to speak it into existence. Imagine being able to speak things. The Bible says, and God said, and there was. That's how it's going to go for the next little while. It says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, 386,000 miles a second. One day, God said, let there be water. And there were oceans and rivers and lakes. And said, God said there'd be fish. I like that day. Lots of fish. (laughs) Good for us to catch. And he said, vegetation, all kinds of vegetation. And God said, let there be stars in the heavens and lights. And the universe was filled with stars. Now that is what I call power. He spoke the world into existence. And every day we see the evidence for God's creative power. Power. And where there is a design, there is always a designer. And the more we learn in the macro scale about the vastness of the universe and even our galaxy, we realize that it's actually all necessary to provide a place called Earth where life can exist. You want to look into that and your, your bag and your passion and your penchant is for astrophysics. You need to go and check out Dr. Hugh Ross. You have some friends who are puzzled about how come this, the universe is so vast. He is the premier 
premier Christian astrophysicist who worked for NASA and Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He knows from which he speaketh. Dr. Hugh Ross and his website is Reasons to Believe. You know what, folks? It takes more faith to b- not to believe in God than it does to believe in him. Because people say, or some of the materialists just say, well, out of nothing, nothing came. And nothing created everything. Nothing created something. That's hard to get your head around. What we say is, God, there is a, an, uh, an attribution we can make to God, and there's a whole bunch of proof we can give for that. Now, that was God. Look at Jesus. Jesus' life displays the power of God. He had power over nature. He calmed the storm. And his disciples were stunned. He told the boys, sit down and be quiet. And they did. And their jaws dropped. Who is this guy? Who can even speak to the waves and the wind and they obey him. Well, no kidding. Every atom in this universe, the Bible says, is held together by Jesus Christ. He spoke to the tree and it withered. Remember that? On another time, he turned water into wine. What is that? To the God who created the universe. Here's how this goes. The moment God created the universe, any other miracle is a piece of cake. He had power, Jesus Christ, over nature. He also had power over illness or sickness and death. He healed the blind, the sick and the lame. What is that? To reorganize. Turn on some genes, reorganize it. The diseased. He raised people from the dead, even himself. He also had the power over the devil. And one time he told a bunch of demons to come out of a man and go into a bunch of pigs. I guess that's the original deviled ham, right? <laughs> Two, God's incredible power in my life. Look at this great verse, God's power in my life. Here it is, Ephesians 1.20 from the Living Bible. I pray, and this is my prayer for you today that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to, to what? To help those who believe in him. His help is for those who believe in him. The same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we're talking about here. That is an amazing verse. He's talking about a divine dynamic, an eternal energy that's personal and available to us. Actually, the Bible says in Colossians 1 7, Christ in you, the hope of glory, he's in us. So when you feel powerless, God says this to you. Some of you feel like the night was very dark at the moment, or is very dark. And God says to you, I can bring light to that darkness. And I want to give you power in your life. And there are two areas specifically that I, wanted, I felt impressed to talk about today where God wants to give you power. The first one, the first power requirement is the power to resist sin. It's a deadly disease, that thing called sin. 
You don't hear about it much these days, but the Bible talks a lot about it. Now, most of us, if we're dead honest, have had this problem from time to time. And here's what it's described as in Philippians 7, 18, from the Phillips version. It says, I often find that I have the will to do good, but not the power. Paul's describing a Christian here who knows what is good and what is right and may even on occasion have the desire to do it. But that person lacks the power to prevail. That's the problem. So believers have a sinful nature that still pulls them to do things they don't want to do. Anybody notice that floating around from time to time? To say things, to do things that we know we shouldn't do. That's a real battle, and the Scriptures talk long and hard about it. Now, without the Holy Spirit's help, that person can be dominated by the power of sin. That is not God's will. And they can continue to do evil, even when the connoisseur have a desire to do good, rather than being controlled by, and, and to be controlled by a spirit. Now, does that describe you? You want to do what's right and good, but you just don't have the power to prevail. The Bible, a living Bible puts it this way. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. Now, sometimes we get into a cycle of bad habits, and it's really hard to break out of them, Right? But the good news is this, is that God can give you and me the power to prevail and to make the changes that deep in my heart I know I need to make. And God is speaking to some of you right this second. Look at this encouraging verse. Philippians 2.13 For God is at work within you, giving you the will. So even your desire to do good is a gift by the grace of God. That's his spirit. So we can, oh, I want to do good. No, 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 no. The Bible says my heart is deceitfully wicked. It wants to do the opposite. But the Bible says, for God is at work within you if you're a Christian, giving you the will. Circle the word will. And the power. Circle the word power. Two things. To achieve his purposes. So God says, I have given you the power to prevail against fleshly temptation. Ooh, you don't hear that much. That fills this world. What he's saying is, I have provided you a way of escape, a lifeboat. But if you resist the Spirit, don't be surprised if you get dragged down. Here's a deal. God says, I will provide for you a way of escape with every single temptation that comes your way. There's the lifeboat. But do not dilly-dally. Do not play with that temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to continue to play with the temptation because it is very strong. He says, I provided a way of escape. Make a decision and walk in faith and get in that boat. You won't be dragged down. He promises every single time you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape. 
Guaranteed. We can never say, oh, I had no option. You and I will be calling God a liar. The second area, oh, by the way, so you have to decide to take it. That's a hard fact to face. Sometimes I don't choose that, and either do you. But God wants to you to move from following your flesh and desires to following his spirit. Second area that God wants to give you the power. And the second power requirement I have in my life, and so do you, and it's the power to keep going. The power to keep going. See, it's one thing to get started in the Christian walk and to get some initial wins on the board, right? That's all good. We're all chirpy and cheerful. It's another thing entirely to keep on doing what you know is right. Many of you can relate to this verse, Psalm 6, verse 2. I'm worn out, O Lord. (laughs) Give me this strength. Give me strength. I'm completely exhausted, and my whole being is deeply troubled. What do you do when you're tired in life, and you come to a place even like Solomon? Notice this. This is a long time ago who said this in Ecclesiastes 2.11. I looked at everything I tried, and it was all so useless. A chasing of the wind, and there was really nothing worthwhile anywhere. And you thought that a midlife crisis was a recent development. (laughs) No way. And by the way, this guy had a whole stack of gold and a whole stack of girls. I'm not sure he played golf, but the point is that he had a whole bunch of everything. And he figured it out in the end. The Bible says that God can give you the power to keep on going. Look at this verse, Isaiah 40, verse 28. The Lord, I love this, is everlasting. The everlasting God. He never grows tired or weary. He strengthens, this is the benefit to us, those who are weak and those who are tired. Those who trust the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. And that's a great verse. What it's saying is that God can give me the power to resist, and that's great news. So when I'm drained and I'm at the end of my tether, I can rely on his power, which is completely unlimited. Isaiah there then goes on here in Isaiah 40.31. And it's a verse that's very often misquoted. It says this, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run, and they shall not be weary. Right? So Isaiah is describing here God's power to create, his provision to sustain, and his presence to help. God is all-powerful, but even so, he cares for each one of us personally. No person or no thing can ever be compared to God. And God says, I want to give you the power to persist. And I promise to energize those who trust in me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I know some of you are thinking, hey, Ian, I'm a believer, and I need more of God's power in my life. Here's the deal, though. The fact is, God's power 
is not automatic. There are some steps that you need to take to appropriate God's power. Some Christians don't plug into God's power for their life. So they're just as tired and fatigued as the next guy and gal. So how do you get God's power into your life? The final four points. Number one, you and I need to admit we need some help. We need to admit that. I need to admit my lack of power. And again, God always gives grace to the humble, but he is opposed to the proud. I can do it on my own. Well, God says, okay, you do that. And I kind of understand that. I've had four kids, my wife and I, and some of my kids thought they could do some things on their own. And there comes a time, especially when they're older, not when they're younger, when they're older, you say, okay, let's see how that works out for you. Some time passes, <laughs> and lo and behold, the law of sowing and reaping kicks in, and they suddenly figure out, hmm, I had that wrong. Maybe I can't do that. And it's good, because I didn't have to convince them of that. They learned through the law of sowing and reaping. They can't. They're not as strong as they thought they were. I have to admit I don't have it all together. My problem, and our problem often, is we think we're omnipotent. And here's how this looks. I can do everything, and I can control everything. The older you get, oh boy, I was like that when I was younger. I'll fix this. I can do this. I can do that. Just a matter of grunting it out. The older you get, the, re- you, the more you realize the reality of the fact there's very little that you can control of the big issues. Some people go around with their attitude, well, I can control everything and I, I can do everything. Some of you are not so sure of that. Well, look at some of your schedules. That'll tell you. And if you burn the candle at both ends, a friend of mine used to say, you're not as broad as you think you are. Because you're going to meet yourself coming in the middle. So we need to admit our need for God's power in our life. That you can't do it all on your own. See, you come out of college and uni believing you can take on the world and everybody else is stupid. Then you realize, hmm, the more you learn, what I've learned, and I have three earned degrees, the more I've learned, the more I know I don't know much. Actually, the more learning you have, true learning, you, you become more humble. Because think, gee, there's a lot that I don't know. Stress and tension and frustration come as a result thinking that you can do it all. And the midlife crisis is often just a simple way of waking up to the reality of your limitations. And a recognition that you're really not God. And you can't control everything. And here's another hard one, which is hard for us to sometimes swallow. That you're not going to reach every goal you set in life. We don't like that. As a human being, that we have weaknesses. And here's another one that we don't like sometimes. That we're getting older. (laughs) So... What do you do when you realize you're weak? Well, you do what Paul did. I love Paul's clear-cut advice. I value clarity. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul says this. God said to me, where there is weakness, my power is shown more completely. Hmm. Therefore, he says, I have cheerfully made up my mind to be proud of my weaknesses. Why? Because they mean a deeper experience of Christ's power. For my very weaknesses make me strong in him. 
So what that's saying is when we pretend to be self-sufficient, we short-circuit God's power in our life. See, we have to, until we admit our limitations, you're going to be depending more on your own energy and own efforts and own talent rather than God to fulfill His purposes in your life. And by the way, I thought about that again. I put this up on our Facebook page sometime earlier. When God uses the term success, it is not the way that you and I use it or the world uses it. It means fulfillment of his plan for you. That's success. Second, you get God's power in your life when you believe in faith. You cannot get away from this. When you believe in faith. The key to experiencing God's power in our lives is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you've got to join this two things, all right? Both things have to be true for the statement to be true. Those who come to God must believe that he is. Second, and that he, uh, that he rewards those who seek him. So you may have got it down here, I believe God's there, but do you also, there's a second part true. Do you believe he'll reward you for seeking him? What I'm saying is here, to experience God's power in your life, faith is necessary. Faith sets no limits on God's power. It submits itself to his will. Now the context of this verse, which I'm going to talk to you about soon. So before we talk about it, because this is... This verse here is wildly misquoted by some false teachers in the world. False teachers. Let's say, whenever you see something, you go, huh? Always go back and read the context. It's like somebody taking a sentence out of a letter I wrote to my wife, which she would understand. You have to read the context to figure out what's being said here. The context here is... Jesus is talking with the father of a deaf and dumb boy who is demon-possessed, recorded in the Scriptures. Now, the disciples had just tried to cast out the demon from this boy, and they had failed. This is the context. The desperate father, having seen that, because he'd heard all the PR and the press about these disciples, they, they didn't happen. So he was now even questioning, well, Jesus, could he even do it? Because that was clearly wrong. So what about Jesus? So the desperate father was not even sure Jesus could succeed. So the beleaguered father says to Jesus, if you can, if you, because they couldn't, if you can. And then this is the context. Jesus then replies in Mark 9.23, everything is possible to him that believes. And likewise, accordingly, in uh, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Now, here's the explanation. Jesus is not implying that we can automatically obtain anything that we want. That is not the case. What he meant is anything is as possible if we believe because nothing is too difficult for God. That's what he meant. Knowing that's true, let me ask you two vital questions. One, what are you expecting God to do in your life? There's got to be an expectation there. What is that? And then secondly, what are you expecting God to do through your life and for his kingdom's advancement? This is the key. 
your kingdom come. What is your part in that? What are you expecting? Or are you sitting up in the stands and not getting into the game? God wants all of his people in our family. Everybody was in the game. Every one of my children cooked dinner once a week. It's good when you have more children, less to do. (laughs) I like that. More people to clean. More people to maintain the property. I like it. And as part of God's family, you have a purpose in bringing God's kingdom into this world and to sharing the good news. In faith, what are you expecting to God to do through you for his kingdom's sake, moving it forward? We all know about moving the company forward. We look at the P&L, the balance sheet, the sales, prospects. What about the kingdom? So since God works according to faith, and that he has a limited power, you should not limit him. We, like the boy's father, can limit God by our lack of belief. Friends, here's the truth. God has given us atomic power, and we often live firecracker lives. Remember, there is no problem too big for God. The moment he created the universe, no miracle is off the table. None. Zero. No request you can't handle. The real issue then becomes is my faith. Don't limit him. Like the boy's father, what am I willing to believe God for? If you want to see God's power in your life, you must believe in faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. But remember, to expect him to reward you. Number three, we need to speak in faith. Not just believe, oh yeah, it's just in my head, I'm believing. But we need to speak in faith. Paul exemplifies a spirit of faith and enthusiastic determination. By the way, let me just put a caveat here. This is not name it and claim it. That is a lie from hell. That has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying... You, you possess what you confess. That's, there's words for that that they can't use in church. But that is wrong. We're talking something different. Let's take the context here. 2 Corinthians 4.13 It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. He's quoting there from Psalm 116 verse 10. You may want to go back and look at that later on to see where his context came from. So what he's talking about here is an attitude of faith ought to belong. That attitude ought to belong to every believer. I have believed there I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, he goes on to say, we also believe, see the spirit of faith, and or therefore speak. If you believe, there should be some speech. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth confesses. That's how it works. We must speak out in faith, not just think in our minds. We must announce it. We must verbalize that. And that becomes a very powerful witness for God. And this faith, by the way, comes from God's word. Where does faith come from? Romans ten seventeen. Yet nothing closes a believer's mouth faster than unbelief. Unbelief will shut your mouth. 
Here, Paul is declaring his unwavering faith in God's power in the midst of a very dark night for him. He's declaring it, confident that God would deliver him. And this confidence was founded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the first fruit, the first fruit, and the guarantee of resurrection to all of us who hope and have put, his name, uh, put our faith in, the, in, in, in him for salvation. Now, many of you today are waiting for God to do something and believe him for a miracle. But you're short-circuiting that by your mouth, by your negativity. Friends, God's power is not automatic. You must first admit you have a need. Then you must believe it in faith. Then you must speak it because nothing is too hard for God. Then the last key to experiencing God's power in our life is to act in faith. To act in faith. This is vital. And most people miss this point here. To act in faith. You must step out in advance before God's power is released. And that's what's called walking in faith. I do not wait for a feeling. Feelings are horrendously unreliable. You need to do those things that you know are right, even when you don't feel like it. Immaturity is living by your feelings. Maturity is living by your commitments. So you act as if in advance. So many people miss God's blessing of their lives. You know, there's something I really I'd like to do but I don't think I can do it, so they negate that. And they never even try. And as a result, they never have the power that they need to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. If, you've, you know, if you'd only just tried, God will empower you once you step out. Now, there are a zillion places I could have gone to to show this principle from the Bible. Perhaps this one is most illustrative. Joshua and the children come to this river. You know what river that is? That's the Jordan River in Israel. And it's just about to get to the flood season. Very similar situation to when Moses came to the Red Sea. Mountains on the side, Egyptian army behind him. He was boxed in. Trouble is, on the other side of the river was Israel, which is God had promised the people. The whole nation, though, were going to have to go through that river to get to the promised land. And it was springtime, and the banks of the Jordan were overflowing. You've got grandmas and livestock, and it's a schmuzzle to get them all across there, man. Babies, they were much more prolific than what we were. And so God said to Joshua and to the leaders, Take the leaders. Put them out in front of the people and tell them to walk into the river. After they begin to walk into the river, notice the order. After they step out, I will dam it up a little way up north and the waters will recede and you'll be able to walk across on dry ground. So here we're going to pick up the scripture in Joshua 3. 
when the priests put their feet in the water, then the Jordan River will stop flowing. So they acted as if the water would part and stop, and it did. And God released his power. Now the amazing thing is that God wants to show his power in your life. But you have got to do your part. First, you admit. You've got to admit that you have the need. Second, you need to believe in faith. Then you need to speak in faith. And then you need to act in faith. And that means stepping out in advance. I'll give you one quick demonstration of that, how that's worked in my life. Before we started this church, two weeks before, we had no billing, no musicians, and nothing. One day I was sitting in my study, studying, and I just sensed this voice, now, get up and go. So I got up, jumped in my car, had no idea I was going to drive, not even what I was going to do, but I was thinking probably a building. I drive around, never even seen this school before. Driving along around this way, and I pulled into Kilkenny. I don't think they've even been up this street before. Driving up here, and I see this, oh, a school. So I drive in the drive. This is God is my witness. When we get to heaven, you check this out, how this happened. <laughs> I drive in the drive, and um, I, find a, I find a car park. Amazing. Pull in, pull in the car park. Hop out, and um, as I did, this other car that the exact second pulled up right next to me. And I hopped out, and there's this old dude there. And I said, um, excuse me, sir, is, do you know where the office is? And he said, what's over there? He said, why? Can I help you? He said, oh, my name's Pastor Ian, and um, I'm looking to start a church in this area, and I'm looking for a place to meet. And he, his, his big eyebrows start to get furrowed at me. He looks at me, and he says, um, when do you want to start this? With his arms folded like this. I said, oh, in about two weeks. And then he goes, well, come with me. I go, okay. He says, hi, my name is Neil Schroff, and I'm the principal of the school. There's been a church meeting in this school for five years, and interestingly, Ian, they finish in two weeks. Come with me. So we walked in here, and he said, do you have any sound equipment? I said, no. He said, you can use ours. He said, do you have a projector? I said, no. He said, you can use ours. He said, what are you going to use for, um, for Sunday school rooms? He said, uh, you know, I, said, oh, I hadn't thought about that. He said, well, you could use that for the creation. You could use that for all stars. I go, wow. And he said, by the way, in those days, not today, but he said, in those days, I'll give you for 150 bucks. I nearly fell over. But if I hadn't got out and stepped ahead and waited till somebody called me, you have to take a step of faith. There are many times like that. Well, not, I don't want to set the expectation wrongly. That sort of event happens from time to time. But sufficient that in my Christian life, it's probably happened about 20 times in different areas for different results for his kingdom's sake. So step out in faith, in advance. Here's another one. Fathers, you're going to come home from work tomorrow. And you may have little children to come and meet. You're exhausted and you're tired. And maybe you're not ready to even face your kids at that stage. <laughs> or your wife. <laughs> but remember this interesting verse. In Isaiah 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. 
And you can also add they will play with their kids and not faint. So before you get out of the car and go into the house, remember God says, I will help re-energize you if you wait upon me. Or maybe it's in service for the kingdom, for his kingdom's sake. Even the strongest people get tired sometimes. Do you know that? Even the very strongest. But God's power never diminishes. Not one iota. He's never too tired or too busy to help. His strength is the source of our strength. Or when you feel that crushing weight on you and you feel you can't go another step further, remember you can call on God's power and wisdom to help renew your strength. By the way, that's another issue. Today we go around like mosquitoes doing a million things and some of you are worn out because your to-do list is getting longer. Remember if you've got that problem, can I suggest to some of you hyper A-type personalities, produce a do-not list, the things I am not going to do, not to-do list. That'll help focus you. We're sometimes so diffused, there's so many things going on, we've got no power because we're so diffused. You want to get serious? I was blessed the other day talking to a young man at the funeral. He said, Pastor, I have gone on a fast from surfing for two months. I said, that's unusual for you. Are you feeling all right? He goes, yeah, because it's taking more priority over my time with God. I thought, man, that blessed my heart. The young kid is 22 years old, getting his priorities right. Think for a moment on another angle. Somebody you are finding difficult to love. Or to be patient with. Then say, how will a loving person act towards that person? God, I need your power to overcome my natural desires. If I were patient, how would I act? Or if I was friendly and they are not, how would I act? You're going to need God's power this week. And the good news is, it's available. To live our lives more lovingly. We need that. I do. More joyfully. More peacefully. More patiently. Anybody need that? More kindly. To live more benevolently. More giving. More faithfully to the call that the Lord's called you to. More gently. Not being harsh and running over people bombastically and we all need more self-control the good news is what I've just described there are the fruit of the spirit and God wants those to be an increasing measure in our lives I'll leave you with this question what are you expecting God to do in your life and through you this week let's pray Friends, we have access to God's power to change and to start living a completely different way today. You can stop living on your own power and start living on God's power, which is a solution to burnout. It is a solution to a midlife crisis. It is a solution to frustration. It is a solution to depression that can creep into our lives. Now, friends, change doesn't all come at once. 
But when we rely on God's power, we can change. Would you pray this prayer in your heart? Would you say, God, I admit, I need your power. I've tried to change, I need to find myself slipping back to the way I don't want to be. To habits which I know do not please you. Yet, Father, today I recognize that there's absolutely nothing that's too hard for you. Would you just admit that to him today? Father, moving a mountain is easy for you compared to when you created the universe. And today I say I believe nothing is too hard for you because you have all of the power. And I want to start believing in faith that you will fill me with your power this week, even at this moment. Holy Spirit, would you help me to start speaking in faith and to guard my mouth and to quit being negative. Help me to share my faith, Lord. Help me to love that person and not to wait for the feelings to just arrive. Would you help me, Holy Spirit, to be patient and to act patiently, to act friendly, to act loving, even when I don't feel like it in and of myself. Love people through me, Holy Spirit. Lord, even for our wives and husbands, would you help us to act in a loving way and a caring way with my mate? And Father, as I do that, I trust that sometimes those feelings, which may have diminished, will be renewed by your Spirit. The Bible says that God's power is wrapped up in a person. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. And you can, you can rely on him, but you need to get him in your life to rely on his power. So if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, would you do that this morning? And say, Jesus Christ, put your spirit in my life. I need you. I want to be saved. I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to give, to give you the good. I want to give you the bad, the ugly. The past, the present, the future, all of it, would you fill me with your power and cleanse me from my sin? Father, thank you for your power to change my life. Thank you that it's available to all of us today. And that we do not need to live lives of frustration when we put ourselves in your hands. Thank you so much. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.